Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We are spending this uh, uh, sort of holiday season talking about, uh, we spent the last four weeks talking about Christmas. This is the first Sunday after Christmas, and um, uh, we've been celebrating, you know, the, the Advent throughout this season and, and Jesus' arrival onto the scene. And, you know, I, I've told you I love Christmas time and I, I like all that it does, and, and people seem to be a little kinder. and. Uh, there's opportunities to share the gospel and, and uh, all those things. And so we've been doing that and talking about the Christmas story and all that it means. And, and now as we sort of have celebrated Christmas, it's still sort of Christmas weekend, I guess. But, but uh, you know, it's, it's sort of now it's a couple of days past and we're, we're moving towards a new year and, and uh, all that that holds for us and all that that means. And, and so I've been sort of praying about, you know, what do we talk about in this first Sunday after Christmas and... I want to take the next couple of weeks and, uh, and really sort of tie these things in now as we, we sort of consider perhaps, uh, I don't know about you, but this, this, usually this week I sort of reflect over what's been going on over the last year. I don't live in the past, but I like to think about how the year's gone and, you know, maybe some good stuff that's gone on and maybe, you know, there's been some hard stuff that's gone on and um, how that's impacted me and uh, as I prepare for a new year. Um, I, don't, I don't do resolutions, but I do think it's a good time to sort of take a little inventory, if you would, about how things are and where could I be doing better and, and where maybe I, you know, not done as well as I was hoping to be doing uh, at this point in time. And so I, I consider all those things. And uh, as I consider those things, I realize that, uh, uh, you know, with all the neat stuff that generally happens around this time of year that, that oftentimes, you know, that many people are struggling with different things and maybe over the poor course of a year you've had some issues and some things that you struggled with. And, and so I want to share with you today, we're going to talk about one of God's amazing promises. Um, and, and I want us to, to know that uh, and celebrate, you know, the goodness of God and that we can trust Him and that He's faithful. And, and I think that's, you know, really a great foundation for ending a year and starting a new one and, and sort of having that fresh in our minds as we press on in the process. And that sort of no matter what the circumstances you face, good, bad, hard, we're, you know, all over the spectrum, uh, I want to make sure that you always remember that God's purpose for your life is, is always greater than any problems or situations or circumstances that you face. And that um, because of that, because God's purpose for you is so great, um, you, we can always get back to the place where we know that he's good and that he's faithful and that we can trust him. So that's what I want to talk about today. I know um, I said I don't do resolutions, but I know this is a time when often people will think about that. Uh, and I just have a couple of thoughts. These are, these are um, like a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. And that's... That's why they don't really work. And, and uh, then I, I, re I read this. This is not my thinking, but I think it's pretty funny. Um, so I read this. As we enter into a new year, I want to talk to you. Uh, wait, no, that's not what I wanted to do. Here we go. That's what I'm going to talk about. Here we go. It would be easier to keep my New Year's resolution to accept and forgive people if they just stopped acting the same way they did last year which is kind of a resolution not to change, right? And put it on everybody else. Okay. So uh, let's hop in. Scripture reading here. Romans 8, 28 through 31. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And blessed be the word of the Lord. And I really want to uh, zero in on the first verse in what I just read to you, that Romans 8.28 verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purpose. And, um, and just sort of focus on, you know, the, uh, think about the, the harder stuff in life sometimes that we have to deal with uh, and that, that many people sort of go through, all of us go through at times. And, and you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a... These difficult times, unfortunately, are part of life here in a fallen world on a broken planet. And, um, you know, I would love to be able to tell you that doesn't happen and that we get, to, we get a pass on that as believers. But um, we live in that situation. It's a fallen world. The, the planet's broken. It's not the way that it was intended to be. And because of that, there are some difficult things that we have to deal with. There's difficult circumstances. There's, there's problems. There's situations that um, we have to endure from time to time. And in thinking about that, I, I think a lot of times the hardest ones to deal with um, are the ones that seem to make no sense at all. Uh, and, and um, you know, the, sometimes in a, in a difficult situation, we can sort of, sort of rationalize a purpose behind it, and those are a, a little easier to deal with. But there are situations that just make no sense, and they're very difficult for us to deal with. Uh, and, you know, in our own strength and understanding, we're, we're, they will, they're overwhelming to us. So we have to know... Uh, somehow that even in the things that we can't immediately figure out that ultimately we can always trust God and we can sort of hang on to the promise that we find in these verses and, and that there's there's something about knowing this verse I think that helps us to get to a place where even if we can't figure it out in ourselves and see the reason behind it we can begin to trust in God and know that he will see us through and that um, we can we can rest in him and find life in him, even in the midst of the hardest times of life. And so this verse, again, says, Romans 8.28, We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And, and you know, I want to say with that, first off, it doesn't say, um, what it doesn't say is that all things work out the way I want them to. So make sure you're not reading that into that verse, because that's not, it does not say that. Um, all th- you guys have all been around here for a while, so you know that's true, right? Um, all things do not work out the way that we would like them to um, all the time. And uh, it, it just doesn't happen that way. And also, not everything has a happy ending. Um, that, again, that's um, what a bummer sermon this is. But, uh, <laughs> yay! And I... I you know, the reality is this isn't heaven, right? This is not as good as it gets. And I think at some level we have to hold that in context, that, that we have something perfect coming at us. This is, this is the best that we can have here at this point in time, is to be engaged fully in a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing better than this, but this is not as good as it gets. As good as it might be, there's something better that's coming. And, and, um, and so not everything has a happy ending. And I think that's really difficult 
for us. I like, because I like a happy ending. I like movies with happy endings. I like, um, I don't like movies that don't have happy endings. Um, and, and, you know, uh, spoiler alert, if somebody, because if I, I often will try and find to know how something ends before I involve myself in it. Um, I would rather know than be hanging in that suspense. That's why I like the Bible. It, we know how it turns out. Uh, so I'm settled in that. It's like my kind of story. What's the end? Oh, great. Okay, now let's just live it out till we get to the end. I'm good with that. So I don't like um, uh, ha- movies with unhappy endings. I also don't like movies with dogs in them where the dogs get hurt in any way. <laughs> so no dog movies for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I just threw it in. But I do have a, an example of a, like, um, there was a movie on some years ago that everybody was raving about, uh, Dancing with Wolves. You know, it's a, like a Kevin Costner movie. And apparently it has a t- terrible ending. It doesn't end well at all. And somebody had told me, it's a really long movie. It has a, it has a really unhappy ending. And so we, we were watching it, you know, and we were pretty well into it. And it got to a spot in the movie, pretty well along into the movie. I hadn't knew that it wasn't going to end well. Um, where everything was working out, everything was perfect in the movie. And I went, I'm good, turn it off. <laughs> I've never seen the end of that movie. As far as I know, that movie ends well, all is well, everybody's good. Wouldn't it be great if you could just do that in life? It's all good, bloop. Let it roll there. Um, But it doesn't quite work that way. But we know that no matter what, we can trust in him and and we can settle in him through life. So let me look quickly at this verse. Four, Four things I want to talk about. Point one, the verse says, we know. We know. And we know, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't mean that we hope it. It doesn't mean that we wish it or that we imagine it or desire it or guess about it. We have a confidence that we know that God is God and that God works all things together for good. He will work them out in our lives. Everything that we give to him, we can know it for certain. We know that God is who he says he is and that God's got it and God can handle the situations, which rolls us into point two, that in all things... God, that's point number two in your notes, that in all things, God. Uh, and, and, you know, what I want you to see in that verse is that, that all things, God, that God is in control. He's in control. This doesn't mean that difficult circumstances are caused by God or, you know, are, are the will of God. Um, difficult circumstances, hardships, are result and consequence of this fallen planet, broken world uh, stuff. And, and um, all of the mess is because... We've all chosen to do our own thing and go our own way. Everybody's done it from, from Adam and Eve on down. And the, the fallout of that has, has um, caused a lot of significant issues in our lives. And so um, because of that process, there's this problem um, that, that we have to deal with. There's these issues that happen. It's not the way he created it. And, and when he comes back, he's going to resettle everything and straighten everything back out again, and it'll be the way that it was intended. But for now, we, we have to deal with fallen world, broken planet stuff. And uh, it's difficult for us, but it happens. But God is still in control. You need to know that, that, that nothing catches God off guard, that God is in complete control of everything. Bad things that happen aren't, aren't because God's sending them our way. It's because of the consequence of fallen world, broken planet. And if you ever wonder, well, you know, what's he done about it? He's already come to the cross. He's already paid for every situation that needed to be paid for. And he's coming back to get us at some point in time. And we just have to have that context that he's already worked this all out. But we're, we're in this process waiting for him to come back for us. And he loves us. Even though we've all gone and, and chosen to go our own way, he still loves us. And that's what the Christmas story 
has been all about. So much so that he works for the good. That's point number three. Because God is God, he can take all the situations of our lives, the good ones, the bad ones, and somehow work them together for good. And this is a, a concept that I want to make sure you get. I, I think I have a pretty good holiday example of this concept. Uh, um, and it's about a cookie. I've got two, actually. The first one's about a cookie. How, anybody here like cookies? I, I am... We were just chatting about this today. I happen to love the cookies, uh, but I I'm, I'm have an issue where, where one cookie is not enough. I don't know if anybody else is like that. To me, just one cookie is mean. It's like a cruel joke. And so I generally don't eat cookies anymore because it's my thing. I just I can't. But, you know, it's holiday, so, so my wife made some lovely um, sugar cookies with some frosting on them. And, and we don't eat gluten. She makes, she's figured out how to do it. And I, I got to tell you, they were, and so I would just take like a bite or two, and then, and then I would be tempted. To, I don't know if you're ever to deal with that. I'm like, please finish these cookies and get them out of the house because I'm weak. Um, but I would have to say, and you go, where's he going with this? Again, I'm rambling, uh, thinking about cookies. Um, the favorite, my favorite cookie is a chocolate chip cookie. Anybody else? A chocolate chip cookie is an amazing thing. And really, there are lots of varieties of chocolate chip cookies. You know, there's big thick ones, and there's little, and the flat ones, and, the, and they're, they're just tasty. They're, it's an amazing cookie. The chocolate chip cookie, fascinating thing. Perhaps one of the biggest disappointments you can face is to get a cookie that you think is a chocolate chip, and it turns out to be oatmeal raisin. <laughs> right? Now, an oatmeal raisin cookie is a perfectly fine cookie if that's what you're prepared for. But if you're set for a chocolate chip cookie and you get an oatmeal cookie, it's almost like poison. So, <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. Chocolate chip cookie, a delicious thing. But have you ever tasted the ingredients of a chocolate chip cookie separately and by themselves? It's really fascinating. Like, has, how many of you have ever had a little shortening and just had a little shortening by itself? Really, not a, not a lovely thing. Um, how about just a nice cup of dry flour? Anyone? Is that one of your favorites? Uh, um, it's not good. How about raw eggs? I remember, you know, in high school, 1976, you know, Rocky came out and everything, and he drank down the cup of raw eggs, and I'm like, oh, I was into running and all that other stuff at the time. And I remember knocking back a couple of cups of raw eggs and thinking, yeah, I'm not going to keep that habit up. I don't care how good it might be for you. Ah. Um, baking soda? Anybody big into the old? Yeah? Salt, just snacking on some salt. Salt's a wonderful thing with other stuff, but not so great by itself. So, so really, that's the ingredients of a chocolate chip cookie other than the chips themselves. Now, the chips, of course, are wonderful. But, um, but, but what's fascinating is um, when, you, when you mix it all together, what you end up with is quite delicious, quite tasty. It's an amazing thing. So, so it's sort of a picture. God takes all the good stuff and the hard stuff and the bad stuff, and he, he's able to, to work it together for good, stir them up, and sort of, you know, get a chocolate chip cookie out of it. That's, that's how he does things. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's elements to our lives that aren't a whole lot of fun, and they're very difficult, um, and we have to be careful that they don't make us resentful or get us in a real bad spot. Um, but, but we have to know that there's a bigger picture of what's going on, that God, God can take everything and work it together for good. Here's the other example. Have you, um, any of you ever done, you know, like a, uh, or seen a tapestry or a needlepoint, and you're, you're looking at the front side of it, and it's, it's, it's really, really good. Have you ever flipped it around and see what a mess the back side is? 
The backside is all these pieces of yarn and knots and scrambledness, and it looks like nothing at all. And you think, that's not, that doesn't look good at all. That's a big mess. But you flip it over, and there uh, is this, you know, this beautiful work. And you're like, well, fascinated. How look at one side is this way, and the other side is the other. But here's my, my thought on that. That, that um, you know, then the Bible actually says that you're God's workmanship. You're, you're his poema, his work of art. Your life is kind of like a tapestry, but the beautiful side is facing heaven. God's looking at that side, and he's doing all these things. The side that we see all the time is the side with all the knots and mess, and we're looking at it and going, that's just, look at my life. What a mess this is. And God's looking at it from this side, and it's this beautiful thing happening in Christ, and, and it's just because it's of where we're at in, the, in our perspective. And, and so oftentimes when we're working through life, we've got to always get a different perspective. We need God's perspective on the sense, because what's going on, because it won't always make sense to us but God is able to take it and work it and make something out of it. And, and to me, that's a wonderful thing. And I, I love the idea that, that the way God looks at things is from that tapestry side, the finished side of what's happening, and not this side, uh, the side that we see so often. And, and, and you know, he's, he's amazing that way, how he, he takes stuff. Let, let me give you an example of how, how God is looking at, uh, at things from that side of the tapestry and not the side that we often look at. Matthew 1. One through six, and you know, this was Christmas time, so you're often in the beginning um, parts of the Gospels. And, and I read this, Matthew 1, 1 through 6. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Uh, now, I probably don't need to explain any of that scripture because it explains itself. That was sarcasm. Um, that's, the f that's a picture of the family tree of Jesus, the one who's come to do everything for us that we've been talking about over the last month. And here's the amazing thing when you read about these people. When you read about these people in the New Testament, these are a lot of Old Testament characters, and, you, and like in Hebrews 11, you know, it's, a, it's the chapter of faith. These are the heroes of the faith. These are, these are people, when you read about them in the New Testament, you're like, these people were so full of faith. They were so amazing. What awesome people they were. But when you read about them in the Old Testament, which is the backside of the tapestry, these were really some broken, messed up people just like us. One of the things I love about the Bible is God didn't edit it and take out all the messy stuff or else I don't think, you know, I would look at it and think I'll never make it. I can't, I can't make it because I'm this mess. But he pees them like, so, and these are the, this is the family line of Jesus, right? Abraham. Abraham, no, don't get me wrong. He does some great stuff. But through the course of his life, he, he gives his wife away twice because he's afraid that because she's so pretty, they might kill her because of her. He actually gives her away to other people, other men, and says, listen, don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister. Um, not, not really a great move. Um, later on, his wife comes, and because the promise has taken a while, for Isaac, she sort of, you know, tests him a little bit and says, hey, why don't you take my maidservant and have, a, have the baby through her? And he's like, uh, all right then. And, and um, the correct response would have been, no, we'll wait on God, honey. But no... 
which caused a huge set of problems throughout history. This, this, other, this decision was, was not good. Um, and, and yet, he's a hero of the faith. Isaac um, sort of learns from his dad, and he at one point gives his wife away. And he's a big mess when you read through Isaac. He does some good stuff, but just a mess like most of us. Jacob comes up in the, in the lineage, and he actually steals his brother's blessing by deception, among other things. And yet, ultimately, God renames him and gives him the name Israel. I mean, pretty big deal with, with that. Um, Judah, who's in the line, sleeps with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, because he thinks she's a prostitute. And she tricks him. Lineage of Jesus Christ. Um, she gets pregnant. The, the baby's in the lineage. Rahab makes the list. And Rahab actually um, was a prostitute. Ruth makes the list. She wasn't even Jewish. Uh, David and Bathsheba are also in the list. And if you remember their story, not a pretty story. Uh, and, and yet, these are the uh, people in the lineage of Jesus. And I'm saying that it's so amazing is that God can bring good out of even the bad stuff. He, he's able to work through everything. And he weaves into the pattern of our lives the, the mistakes and the hurts and the disappointments and the things we don't understand. He does that, point four, of those who love him. Of those who love him. That's the qualifier to the amazing truth. Um, th this is one of the promises we have as followers of Christ. It's not for um, just anybody. The, the promise is for us as followers of Christ. It's a promise for believers. And, and it, it comes with, uh, you know, it's a promise to all of us who've accepted and believed in Christ and are following him with our lives. And, and so, you know, we've been talking about that, that choice of following him over the last month. And I know many of you are there, but let me say, if, if for some reason you're not there yet and you've never accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, um, that, that uh, he's the one who can take and somehow make sense for you of some of this mess that we're going through and weave them into this tapestry uh, of your life. And if you've never come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, again, today's your day. Just, you know, Jesus, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? And would you come into my heart and life to be my Lord and Savior? If you've never prayed a prayer like that, I want to encourage you, do it today. Best decision you will ever make. But that's... Uh, Good for me today, uh, where I'm going to stop. Please turn the video off. If you're watching my video, we'll see you soon. Ministry team, on you head over the wall over.